0: From the Los Angeles Times, this is Can't Stop Watching, your TV faves on their TV faves. I'm your host, Yvonne Villarreal. On today's episode, we can't stop watching Matthew McFadyen. He plays Tom Wamsgans, the awkward yet sympathetic husband of Shiv Roy in HBO Succession.
1: It's always been something slightly off about Tom. He's he's like a sort of weird shapeshifter. The Tom that Shiv would recognize, she wouldn't recognize the Tom that Greg knows.
0: Matthew takes us behind the scenes of shooting the congressional hearing meltdown, and what it was like stealing chicken from Logan Roy's plate. Plus, we hear about his role in Quiz, the AMC miniseries about a couple who attempted to cheat on the British version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire.
1: Their guilt or their innocence is sort of up in the air, Um, so I wasn't really playing one thing or another. I mean, I don't think you can know. The only people who can know
0: are those two. Let's get to it. Now for your Emmy consideration is BBC America's Killing Eve. The delectable story of MI6 agent
1: Eve. I'm not a very nice lady. An enigmatic assassin Villanelle. Just so you know, I'm kind of a big deal on this industry. Critics hail the third season as deliciously watchable. Haven't you heard? Genre defying. Wow. And a bloody good
0: time. Obviously for your Emmy consideration in all categories, including Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series for Sandra Oh and Jodie Comer. Thank you. Thank you. Matthew, thank you so much for joining me.
1: You're very welcome. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: Good. Yeah, very well.
0: Have you gotten acclimated to this new way of life?
1: I got used to it very quickly because it is much like like the life of an unemployed actor. You're just sort of waiting (laughs) around. That sounds flip. And I don't mean to sound flip because I know, you know, lots of people have had really terrible times. But it's like business as usual for an actor in between jobs. And also really lovely for us to be together, I guess, as a family. You know, to have a sort of enforced pause, I think. I'm sure a lot of people, it's quite nice to sort of just have to be at home together. And, you know, we we all realize we quite like each other. So it's good.
0: Yeah, it's better than the opposite of that. Um, have you, What are you doing to keep busy? Like, have you taken up any new hobbies? Are you getting to stuff around the house?
1: Uh... The, the house is very organized and the, uh, lots of cupboards have been tidied. I've been doing a lot of cooking. Uh, I've been trying not to get too fat. I've been trying to exercise. I've been trying to read lots of things and sort of failing. I've watched a lot of TV with my wife.
0: Tell me what you're watching.
1: We've been watching kind of old true crime stuff like The Staircase and um, The Jinx and lots of really good stuff. And We, we just finished the Michael Jordan documentary the Last Dance, and so it's good. And we never, Keely, my wife and I, never sit down together and watch stuff just because the kids and life gets in the way. So this has been a really lovely opportunity to do that, really.
0: What did you think about The Staircase? Like, have you read the whole, like, owl theory?
1: The owl theory blew our heads off <laughs> and kind of makes perfect sense. But it was really, I thought it was such a brilliant thing and actually really, <laughs> kind of really good for actors and storytellers because you're watching all those true crime things, you're watching the person who you're supposed to think is guilty and analysing their behaviour all the time. You know, because people assume people are behaving in a certain way because they're, they've done a certain thing, you know. And actually, people are so odd and behave so strangely and idiosyncratically all the time that... Um, it's, I don't know, it's sort of quite useful for actors.
0: Well, I was going to say, could you see Tom in any of those characters? Because like, even in the jinx, like when Robert Durst is like burping in that room, it's just like so absurd. But like, Tom is, is absurd too. Like, could you see any bits of him in, in, in like those people?
1: It's just, it's an interesting comparison with the Ingrams in a Quiz, just because of public projection onto people, and it sort of works. You know, as a viewer, you're projecting guilt or innocence onto people, um, and you can never really be sure. I remember doing um, the Outsider L'Etranger, you know, the Camus book in at school, and I was so taken by the idea that actually this man who was who'd killed someone on the beach, but he was really convicted because he. He wasn't showing the requisite emotion about his mother's death. You know, people people want to see people sort of publicly atoning or publicly behaving in a way that would seem normal. And, you know, life isn't normal. People aren't normal. and So I found that all tied in with the staircase and quiz, and uh, I just found it fascinating.
0: It really is. Um, and I want to talk more about quiz. I'm, like, trying to figure out where we go to first. But, I mean, if there's one show people are aching... To see return, it's succession is is it a weird feeling to know that you're part of this water cooler show and like as one of the stars do you feel a pressure to have season three deliver now that there's like all this anticipation for it
1: i uh, I know I don't feel a pressure. I just you know it's a it's an extraordinary situation, isn't it? I can't wait to start. I can't wait. It was sort of awful because we you know, we were um, we were ready to go. We were supposed to start shooting in the end of April, I think, in New York. And uh, yeah, we had we dates for the table read, and and so now, like everybody, we're in limbo. So yeah, I can't wait to begin. Partly because I really like everyone in it. You know, the scripts are so good, but everybody from Jesse um, Armstrong down are just they're just really really good at their job and really nice people, and it's just a pleasure to do
0: has Jesse given any sense of whether he's making changes to the scripts in this time? I mean, writers always want more time to work on things, but it can also like drive you insane when you have too much time, but I don't know.
1: I was talking to one of the writers recently, a lovely man called Tony Roach, and he he was saying it's it's great because they've had lots of time to work on the scripts, you know. Uh, but he said also that it's slightly unnerving because you you don't want it to sort of sit in the same state for too long. Especially the way, the sort of feel of our show—it's quite fluid, and um, you know. So if anything starts feeling a bit set in stone, then it's it's a little unsettling, maybe. But but I don't know. I think I think everyone's just sort of waiting to see what happens, and then if there's a way where we can start shooting safely, then they might adapt the scripts a little bit. But I don't—I really don't know, to be honest.
0: How do you think Tom would be? handling the
1: pandemic. <laughs> He'd be in the ICU ward.
0: You'd think so. He would eventually get it.
1: I don't know. He either would have sort of, he would have gotten himself sort of tucked away in a bunker somewhere or with, with Shiv or, or with Greg, or he would have sort of blithely ignored it like the president of Brazil or, you know, or like the, the US administration in the early days. And then You know, and then caught it and got it really, really badly. (laughs) I've been on a ventilator for months.
0: Well, let's talk about Succession. I mean, two seasons in, what's your read on Tom? Like, Tom's story has taken on more dramatic weight. What would you say has sort of fascinated you about where his story has gone?
1: Well, apart from just being fun to play, I think that it's always been something slightly off- about tom he's one of those people i think we all do it um to greater or lesser degrees we all we all sort of adapt and we're different with every different person that we're with if you see what i mean and tom really is he's like a sort of weird shapeshifter so he'll you know he'll be the tom that shiv would recognize she wouldn't recognize the tom that greg knows you know you know what i mean and i think that's what people do a lot People think they're sort of even and the same with everybody, but um, so I love that about him, and I, I love his I I just sort of believe him, even though even and I sort of believe him the more ridiculous he gets, you know, like the like the sort of meltdown with Greg throwing water bottles at him, that really struck me as quite even though it was sort of hilarious and ludicrous and funny, and it was something sort of heartbreaking because Greg is you know in the panic room when Greg sort of tries to break up with him, and it's an echo of Shiv trying to alter their marriage and make it an open marriage. And I think it's just sort of comes from a place of real hurt, you know, and fear. So I think that works really well. It's certainly fun to do.
0: Well, we see too how like he's processing everything. Like there's that moment where he tells Shiv on the beach that he wonders if he'd be happier without her. What did you think of that moment in particular?
1: I just thought it was a beautifully written scene the whole episode was fascinating because it's so the whole thing there's a terrible sort of hangover of fear over everybody you know because every person is afraid they're going to be sacrificed um they're going to take a fall for the company you know to get them off the hook with this cruise scandal and tom certainly feels like he could be the one and i and i think he's i don't know something something bubbles to the surface he's just unhappy and trying trying manfully to be like an open minded, you know, if it, Shiv's wanted, wanted to have a threesome in the yard and all that, and he sort of went along with it and really couldn't. Really doesn't want to. <laughs> so I don't know. I find, I just I thought it was a I thought it was a lovely scene.
0: Well, we get some hints as to why um Shiv was drawn to Tom from that combo. Has Jesse given you and Sarah the backstory on the relationship, like how they met? Do you think Tom asked her out? Did she ask him out? Like, do you have a sense of any of those details?
1: We've sort of talked roughly around the, the circumstances because it's all, uh, people have said in the past, how on earth is Tom with Shiv? You know, she's slightly above his station. He's punching above his weight with her, but he's attractive to her in the sense that he's not going to let her down. He's not a threat. He's not going to go off with someone else and dump her ever. Probably that maybe maybe she came off the back of a bad relationship and met Tom at a time when she was vulnerable. And, you know, I think he really loves her um, and really wants to be happy. But he has all these other competing interests and ambitions and worries about the company and trying to shin up the greasy pole, at, you know, in Waystar. And, and he's terrified of her father and her brother's. <laughs>
0: Tom is someone who really tries to please. I think that's sort of an understatement, maybe. Like, he tries to be the good guy, and he wants to be popular. He wants to be useful. Like, it's clear that he sort of savors the wealth and the status. But you can sense the nerves, the fear. Um, What's the challenge of playing that? Or is it as simple as, like, feeling like you're transported back to high school?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of that. There isn't much imagination required when you're in a big kind of, I don't know, a big boardroom in the World Trade Center doing these scenes because you sort of, everything's there. You can sort of imagine being in this corporate environment which is so far away from anything I've experienced and would want to. I don't know, we did, it, we did a scene in the first, I've said this before, but it always strikes me, we did a scene in the first series, a great big scene. Jeremy Jeremy had a big speech. Jeremy Stronger plays Kendall and... Um, there were maybe, I don't know, 35, 40 extras in the room playing corporate execs in Waystar. And I, I, you know, I had a little bit, I didn't say much. But I remember my heart was banging away, just thinking, oh my God, The of actually having to make a speech in front of all these sort of corporate jocks is just terrifying. And it gives you an insight into why people behave like they do. So that was sort of useful and not that all corporate environments are like that. but So yeah, but I think there's a lot of fear. I think fear governs a lot of what Tom does, and he's willing to sort of suck up all the abuse, which he then doles out to Greg later on to sort of make himself feel better.
0: How did the boardroom scene you just were talking about compare like, to the congressional hearing scene? Like, What was that feeling like?
1: That's another really good example of not, not really having to act, because <laughs> they built this huge set in Silver Cup Studios in Queens, and you walk onto it and you go, right, okay, I'm... I'm I'm in the U.S. Senate and I'm, I'm in a Senate, Senate hearing and there's all these people and I believe it all, you know. And the way, the way we shoot succession is very, it's very nimble and quick and the, a lot of handheld and you don't really see the cameras. So it was just brilliant. It was, you know, I, I felt like I was being cross-examined. <laughs> so I could use those sort of nerves uh, for the characters. great. It was great.
0: This episode is brought to you by AMC's Better Call Saul. The drama Nerdist calls equal parts funny, heartbreaking, exciting, and tragic. Entertainment Weekly hails this past season as the most intense, complex, and formidable season yet, with CNN calling it a dazzling balancing act, and Rolling Stone hailing Bob Odenkirk and Ray Sehorn winners. For your Emmy consideration in all eligible categories. I want to talk about Tom's other big relationship, which is the one he has with Greg. It feels like Greg has sort of moved over to Team Kendall a bit, like with the papers and the way he sort of, as you mentioned, broke up with Tom in in that episode with the shooting or alleged shooting. What are your hopes for where this is going with Greg? like Or fears, I guess.
1: i just like them to get together and... For Tom to leave Shiv and Greg and Tom just to go away and open up a restaurant somewhere upstate maybe. And I think they've got a shot at happiness. I think genuinely, joking aside, I think Tom really, really likes Greg. And I think he just can't help be sort of revolting to him. It's sort of a, it's sort of a terrible involuntary thing that he does. Um, maybe because he takes so much abuse from everybody else and feels so much fear but I think deep down, he really likes Greg. and So I don't know. The, me, I, I, Nick and I sort of worry sometimes that if, you know, we're dismayed at the idea that perhaps the characters get split and are conflicted so we won't have as many scenes together. But. It's
0: that tension that'll keep us coming back, though, like when they'll get back together. <laughs> but now I want to know, what. what would you name that restaurant that Tom and Greg have? The Tomlet. The We're not even going to mention the Gregs. It's just going to be the Tomlet.
1: Greg's over easy. <laughs> we shot a scene which was which was cut. Uh, there's a, there's a point in the second scene where I come over and I he's got the papers. I said I want the papers, and he said, well, I they're in the office. And I said, okay. Well, I'm going to sleep here, and then go in with you tomorrow and get the papers together. Because I don't trust you. Uh, and we shot a scene of me sleeping in his bed, and I made him sleep on the floor of his bedroom. So I'm going to try and find the footage and Nick and I can watch it.
0: Yes, let us have something to hold us over until season three. Just like release the footage.
1: Just little snippets, yeah.
0: The little snippets. But like one of the best scenes, without a doubt, is when Tom starts stealing chicken off of Logan's plate. Walk me through the emotional state of that scene. The way you sort of masterfully chow down on that piece of chicken and the way Brian, as Logan, is just like mortified at what he's seeing happening.
1: <laughs> he, uh, I was really nervous doing that scene as Tom. My heart was banging away, partly because it's such an outrageous thing to do to this man. You know, and we all project all this, um, status and fear and everything onto Logan. You know, he's the sort of planet around whom all the characters orbit. And so to go and steal, to just go and take a drumstick from his plate on his on his hyper yacht on his mega yacht. it was sort of an outrageous thing to do so I just sort of I think we only did a couple of takes The first take I took a really big bit of chicken uh like a breast and I put it all in my mouth and and I couldn't say the line. I sort of said <laughs> so I could, and then we both broke up and Brian Brian cracked up laughing and he never ever goes. Very rarely. He's very good. He sort of twinkles. And so when Brian went, I was gone. I was crying with laughter. So then we did it a few more times. And I took a chicken drumstick, which had a bit less meat on it. So I could sort of, I could take a big bite and speak at the same time.
0: I love it. Did anyone get seasick on that yacht?
1: Uh, I don't think so. The yacht, the yacht was so preposterous. It had a a sort of, um, I think it had five stories. Maybe lots of, mega yachts have them but they had this sort of um stabilizers digitally controlled jets which stabilize the boat
0: do you feel like your nose just like lifting into the air from being on a yacht like that like the nose just goes up
1: yeah a little yeah (laughs) it's ruined any kind of um boat travel boat work ever that i'll ever do ever again it's just i don't nothing will top it
0: This television season, you also starred in AMC's three-part series, Quiz, which tells the story of the cheating scandal that uh, rocked the British version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in 2001. And you portray Charles Ingram, as you mentioned earlier, who is sort of at the center of all this. And you said your aim was not to do an impersonation of him. But talk to me about, like, the research you did for the role that helped you sort of at least get into the character, the mindset of the character?
1: Uh, what did I do? I read, I, I, there's a, quite a lot of stuff online. There's some documentaries. He did a, they did quite a bit of reality TV afterwards. And there was something called Celebrity Wife Swap, which he did. And I watched that just to sort of get, just get an idea of it, the couple really. Um, yeah. And then, but the script, the script, James Graham wrote such a sort of interesting, nuanced piece that uh, it, their guilt or their innocence is sort of, up in the air. Um, so I wasn't really playing one thing or another. I mean, I don't think you can know the only people who can know it are those two. Uh, but I think it's a really interesting bit of TV. There are no goodies or baddies, you know, it's sort of, it's allowing you to sort of make your own mind up or think more deeply about how what you know, how people behave or what went on, or you know, people's motives and also the also the public's desire for Things to be binary, things to be black or white, or you know.
0: He and his wife visited the set, right? And I know you didn't have like a lot of interaction with him, but in the in the moments that you were in his presence, did you find yourself sort of studying him and like trying to see if you could like figure out if he did it or not?
1: Not really. You sort of <laughs> you sort of I d by that it was the last day shooting and we by that point we were like, well. Uh. I don't really mind whether they did it or they didn't. Uh, but it was just sort of very surreal. Sean and I, Sean Clifford, who played Dinah, we would sort of wandered over and said hello and shook hands. And it was all sort of slightly odd and quite pleasant and, you know, talked for about a minute. And then we had to go back and carry on shooting. And uh, they were really sweet. They were lovely. I think they're pleased with the show. and They want to appeal against their conviction. You know, almost 20 years ago it was, but they still maintain their innocence. So they, they're hoping for a sort of retrial or a some kind of revisiting of the case.
0: Well, something the Charles character you play in this version of events and the Tom character, something that they have in common is almost the way they sort of get walked over or influenced by their more dominant wives. Um, Did you find sort of a connection between the characters or were you not even sort of thinking about like the ways in which they are similar? Because I know you shot Quiz Shortly after season two wrapped.
1: To be honest, I didn't make. I didn't. They were never in the same bubble in my head ever. Never saw any compar- Any sort of correlation between Charles and Tom. As an actor, you want to play. You want to do something sort of diametrically opposed to whatever to what you're doing at the time. You know, for your next job, and that was sort of that was part of the reason. It was so attractive. It was so exciting getting the job. Um, it was such an attractive proposition to play Charles and. With Stephen Frears, and you know, but it was so, it was such a different jump from the world of Succession and the Roys into sort of middle class England game show scandal.
0: Yes. Well, how, how was it to go from sort of the luxurious clothes you wear on the set of Succession to the color blocked polo of Charles?
1: Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. I went from sort of linen. Yacht wear into um, linen and cashmere to sort of, yeah, Marks and Spencer's 90s baggy chinos and rugby shirts. and I came out of my trailer one day and the whole, the, the, the wardrobe van just sort of laughed at me. <laughs> the, the designer just openly laughed at me and said, yeah, it's great. Off you go.
0: <laughs> Talk to me about the false teeth. Um, had you worked with false teeth before? I feel like my mouth would just feel like a bowl of saliva.
1: Yeah, no, you get used to them pretty quickly. I hadn't worked with them before. I was kind of, I think I was initially resistant, but our makeup designer, Julie Kendrick, she she suggested them and at our first meeting. And then we got them made just to, just to see what they were like. And it was just perfect. Often as an actor, you put on, you know, you put on a, an item of clothing or you, it's a physical thing that you put on a pair of shoes or you, I don't know, whatever it is, you do something to your face. And it's some, some, it sparks some bit of your imagination or your creative Energy and it just clicks, and I, I loved my teeth. <laughs> I played I played this Victorian detective a while ago in s- series, and um, he wore a bowler hat, and I felt the same about my bowler hat. I missed it when it when the job finished.
0: Well, you kept the teeth. Did you keep the hat?
1: I kept the teeth. I kept the hat for a bit, and then we gave we gave the hat to, to the writer.
0: Oh, that's nice. Is there something of Tom's you would want to keep when the show is over?
1: Is <laughs> my dignity. I think I've lost all, I I don't, what does Tom have? No, because nothing, they can sort of get anything they want.
0: Maybe just Greg, just got to keep Greg somewhere.
1: Greg, yeah, that's the real, that's, yeah, that's the true answer.
0: (laughs) That's the true answer. Well, the virtue of doing a show like Succession is that there are breaks between seasons, significant breaks. And you were able, like I said, to do quiz after season two, did you have something lined up for after completing season three? And can you share anything of like what that was?
1: No, nothing, nothing at all. What did I do? I did quiz and then I I did a film called Operation Mincemeat. It may not be called that, but it was a film, a World War II story with Colin Firth, John Madden directing. And so I did that over sort of over Christmas. And then, yeah, my I, we were all ready to start shooting Succession in April. And, and so, yeah, I've got nothing, nothing afterwards.
0: Are you sort of enjoying this break a little bit in terms of you're sort of usually always busy?
1: i realised how much I love my f- wife and children, <laughs> and they haven't <laughs> killed each other. You know, they're all teenagers, and it's ridiculous. We got a puppy before Christmas, so it's like you know, this puppy is hilarious, and he's he's like seven months now. Um, so he's our sort of lockdown. He's been he's been a lockdown dog. He's been brilliant. So it's just been really nice having this pause but I am keen to get going now. You want to be useful and be doing stuff and so but we're everyone's in the same boat I guess. But I I don't know what it's like where you are but we you know London seems to be sort of starting to get back on its feet a bit and
0: Yeah, it's sort of like a moving target it never feels
1: And it's the uncertainty, it's the there's nothing concrete.
0: Yeah. Well, it's been interesting to see conversations about you on Twitter, you probably don't look, but I was looking. People are sort of saying, I thought I loved seeing Matthew play the romantic hero in period dramas, but I actually might like him more playing this bumbling guy, this asshole, whatever. Is that nice to hear, like to sort of see people embrace this side of you?
1: Yeah, it's lovely. Well, it's just nice because it as an as an actor, you most actors, I'd say, maybe you have strengths and things that you feel like you're you instinctively get better than other parts or better than other sort of characters. But you sort of feel that you could do anything, and so when you get the chance to play lots of different parts or play someone who's so different from the thing you've done before or maybe the thing you're most known for, it's wonderful. If you're lucky and you're able to, and you're, it's good to try and be canny and play something a bit different and. It's the versatility, you know, it's the variety is what the word I was looking for.
0: Our final question actually comes from our previous guest, and that's Jason Siegel.
1: My question for Matthew is, have you ever worked with somebody who gave you a piece of advice or ammunition for your career that you still think about today? And what was that piece of advice? Um... I'd have to think about that. I, Michael Gambon, I've worked with, I've worked with twice. He's a wonderful actor, and um, I did a TV show with him, and he played my dad. And then I've done something else, and a couple of things in the theatre. But he was, he was not a big advice giver, but he would he would say things that were very very lovely and thoughtful and generous. He was very very kind and funny and sort of anarchic. He is very very, but he was to me at that time. So. Um, so yeah, Michael Gamble. But I don't, yeah, the th- and the things he said, it, it's sort of difficult to difficult to remember exactly, so I won't say.
0: Well, now I'm going to ask you to pay it forward and ask a question to our next guest, who will be J.B. Smoove from HBO's Curb Your Enthusiasm. And it could be any kind of question, not doesn't have to be related to the show.
1: Okay. Um, can you please get me on your show? <laughs> Would that be okay? Please and thank you.
0: That's a simple request. I think it could happen.
1: Yeah, you've got to ask these things, haven't you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) How do you think you'd do with improv? They do a lot of improv on the show.
1: They do. I don't know, I probably wouldn't be very good I'd just break up laughing. (laughs) I couldn't keep a straight face. In fact, I'd be hopeless, yeah.
0: But now I want it to happen. I'm going to tell him to get Larry David on the phone.
1: I'm not busy at the moment at all.
0: (laughs) Well, Matthew, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it.
1: Not at all. You're very welcome. Take care.
0: That's it for the 25th episode of Can't Stop Watching. I'm your host, Yvonne Villarreal. Our producer is Paige Heimson, and our executive producer is Abby Fentress-Swanson. Our engineer is Mike Heflin, and a special shout out to Elena Howe for booking the guest for this podcast. Come back tomorrow. We're talking to J.B. Smoove.
1: No, Larry is the king of breaking. Larry, his bottom lip starts to quiver a little bit, like his, his whole body language changes. He starts to lean back a little bit. He leans back a little bit. His lip goes up like this. And he goes, oh, 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 okay. Oh, oh. And you know you got him on his heels.
0: If you like Can't Stop Watching, subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple. Special thanks to Julia Turner, Matt Brennan, and Clint Shaw. We hope you're enjoying this podcast created by the journalist at the LA Times. Right now... Access to facts has never been more important, and The Times is in the business of reporting them. Stay connected and subscribe, because your subscription supports the production of podcasts like this one and our award-winning journalism. Visit latimes.com slash supportlatimes to subscribe. Thanks for listening, and see you tomorrow.